Normally, I am exactly the opposite. I'm the person who goes, no, who cares whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, etc. But you're doing something very different. Hey, everyone, I'm Mark Randolph, and welcome to That Will Never Work. On this podcast, I speak with folks who are at every stage of building their own business, whether they're leaping from side hustle to self-employed or are already generating revenue and ready to level up. My goal is to draw out their biggest challenges and then, using a combination of advice, encouragement, and tough love, nudge them just a little closer to realizing their dreams. While I'm known for co-founding Netflix and serving as its first CEO, my career as an entrepreneur spans four decades. Netflix was actually my fifth startup, and since leaving there, I've had the opportunity to work with scores of early-stage companies and mentor aspiring entrepreneurs from all over the world. Along the way, I've picked up hundreds of tips, tricks, and secrets, which I'm eager to share with my listeners. Helping others move their ideas forward has become my life's passion. So if you've been told that will never work as much as I have, you've come to the right place. Together, we'll prove the naysayers wrong. Today's guest, the eminently likable Mike, aspires to be the Pepper King. Well, that's the name of his product, at least, a high-end, highly functional pepper grinder. He's well along in designing his dream product, but like many a smart entrepreneur, he has a ton of questions before he, well, as he describes it, moves from pencil to pen. There are the usual branding concerns, but also a bigger question. Is there actually a market for this product? As I help him work through these issues, you'll hear me recommend an approach that I've never before sanctioned on the show. Stay tuned. So, Mike, uh, welcome to That Will Never Work. I'm, I'm so psyched to uh, have you with me today. What I'd love you to do, the best way I've found to kick these things off, is for you just to jump right in and tell me what you're working on, what progress you might have made, and what you might be struggling with. Right, right. Oh, great. Well, in one form or fashion, which I'm willing to share, I came up with the idea of the Pepper King, which is the world's greatest electric pepper grinder, obviously developed as a set for salt and pepper both. We are in what's called phase two of product development. Been working on this for close to a year. Progress is steady and slow at the same time. Phase two, working with a production company that is doing the actual designing of the grinders, the exterior form, and of course, the interior mechanical electrical considerations. This phase will produce a CAD drawing, so we can start producing in 3D. We can start establishing uh, specifications for manufacturing and how the components are going to interlace together inside to make it all work. So I got to jump in right away with a bunch of just basic curiosity. So first of all, I don't even know where to start. So number one, I'm really curious whether you are and have always been a pepper aficionado. It would immediately kind of put you into that, like being almost like being left-handed. And the other one is what's wrong with the current crop of pepper grinders, which there probably is at last count 7,000 or so to choose from. Exactly. Good points. And you may recall there was an industry called the video rental store. <laughs> and um, people would ask me a similar question, of which, as you may recall from our email exchange, I own Seattle's last independent video store called Reckless Video. And people, even just the other day on a match date, she asked, so are you a movie aficionado? And 
So no, I'm, I'm an enthusiast. I really don't know that much. I love movies the way everyone else does. And that was part of my allure in, in that industry. It's uh, funny. I, I kind of recently become a pepper enthusiast too. Seriously. Because uh-huh. listen, uh, and you as well, we're both have had some years. We've sat at yeah. our share of dinner tables. And it's kind of sad that little pepper grinder sitting there. It's like always standing in the wings and then it watches Mr. Salt get picked up and passed around and it's kind of just waiting for its break. And I kind of decided this literally, this is the kind of shit that COVID drives you to. I said, okay, <laughs> I am going to start putting pepper on my food. I'm going to do an experiment and I'm going to do it like every meal. And it lasted about two weeks, to be honest. But I was going, this is actually pretty cool. I, I like the taste of pepper. So I'm curious if you kind of recognize this from a personal passion where you were going, I love pepper and I can't quite get it to work, or whether you just said, maybe people would want something better. The latter. Yeah. Okay. The way you talk about the emotional truth of the late fee story that resulted in the idea for Netflix. And this is similar. There was no one event. It was an accumulation of failure of other grinders to get to your second question. <laughs> They're fine when they work. And we're talking about the electric ones, okay. not manuals. Battery operated. Very few in the market right now are rechargeable. Um, most of them are battery operated, which is really annoying. And when they work, they work just fine. You wouldn't necessarily think this needs to improve or there's an opportunity for improvement until you get into it and it stops grinding or a piece falls or the batteries are you know, $12 to replace because there's six AAAs in the Peugeot salt grinder. You will reach a moment of frustration and disappointment, regardless of what you spent on the set, because they're crap. They just fail. They work for a while. They get great reviews out of the box. They're a wonderful gift. Everyone's so excited. I haven't had a set of these before. It's so easy to use. La-di-da. And then it fails then the negative reviews show up. And I've experienced, I don't know, four or five of those in my life, including one set that in my testing for this project, it would not grind pepper out of the box. There was not enough torque in the motor to grind the two or three kernels that had gathered in the grinding mechanism. It couldn't grind them. What is that about? The quality is really what's pressing me on this. I just see a chance and I haven't been able to talk myself off of it. If you can, I'll buy you a cup of coffee because you're going to save me thousands of dollars. But there is an opportunity for quality here that doesn't exist. And that drives the whole concept of business, of consumerism, of customer service, of how we create value with our own lives down to the individual. And so if I can bring something as pedestrian as a pepper grinder and make it work the way I think it can, and so far the way my designers agree with me, then I've done something. This is really interesting. I think I get it. And I think I get it because in a way I'm a kindred spirit. And so I'm gonna have to fight with myself a little bit here. I used to have this dream, and this was years ago, and I go, I would love to do a site, an e-commerce site, and it was the ultimate site, I was gonna call it, or something like that. And I go, umbrellas suck. I'm going to find there's someone who makes an umbrella, which actually is made of durable materials, which goes up and down, which is not going to blow over. In the, you know, it's probably going to cost $300, but it's going to be the last umbrella you ever buy. And there's all kinds of product categories like that. 
And boy, it sure sounds like your vision yeah. is that you want to do the pepper grinder that fits into that category, which is this is the one that is powerful enough to grind. It's beautifully machined, so it almost never wears out. There's none of the frustrations that go with the pepper grinders, which is having to change batteries, et cetera, et cetera. But then here's the little angel on my other shoulder who's arguing with the devil on this one. All right, let's begin slicing and dicing the market. You have the market is basically pretty big. It's basically everybody who eats using condiments, whatever you call salt and pepper. Great. Now we're going to mm -hmm. knock it down by 95% because we're not dealing with the people who use the salt with the pepper. Okay. 5% of everyone in the world is still a pretty huge number. All right. Now we go, no, no, no. This isn't just for people who want pepper. This is for people who, for some reason, don't want to have to manually twist this thing. Okay. That cuts it down by 95%. Now you're into the ones where you can just pick it up and push a button. Now we're going to cut it by another 95% because the people who use it want those lower perfection. So I'm a little scared that your market might be getting really, really, really small. Does that scare you? Have you done any research into this? Do you have a sense of whether there really is a market for people who want this? What's it going to cost too? with this super high-end pepper grinder? Sure. The highest electric pepper grinder I could find is the Peugeot set, and that's 180 bucks. <laughs> Severely overpriced for what you get. I want to bring mine. My goal is under 150 to be able to market a set, salt and pepper both, at under 150 I want this to be the most popular gift item of the decade. That's one measure of market. Have you validated whether people are willing to pay $150 for a... Or are you using a Peugeot as a yeah, proxy? I'm using based on kind of what you are describing. So many to already choose from. What is that activity? And I don't have resources or access to volume of sales, how many units are being sold or produced at these prices, but they sustain. And here's another funny thing that fits into this part of the conversation. There are annual reviews of pepper grinders online, and it's the same dozen every year. And, you know, I've purchased eight or 10 of them that have been available for me to try. So I'm familiar with them and I recognize the pros and cons of them. And Mark, if there was a single player that made a good one, I wouldn't have stepped into this ring. I would have just bought it. But no one is doing it right, according to Mike. And so that's what I'm pursuing. So you asked about numbers. I just Googled, this a quick and silly research. I, I asked Google how many homes there are in America. 128 million, according to this search and over 600,000 eating establishments in the U.S. Okay, so I look at this, how many kitchens are in the U.S.? Because every kitchen should have a pepper king, right? So if I just do 1% of the households, that's 1.2 million pepper grinders, 1.2 million. For me to be ecstatic, I need to sell about 35,000 in three years. And that's with a bunch of assumptions about margin and obviously sales. But that is a very workable model for my humble little life. I'll pay back my principal and I will bank away a couple hundred grand for me in three years, doing nothing but putting mainly labels on a box because something good exists that doesn't exist now. Mike, I love it. You'll sell at least one to me. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'd love, and there probably are people like me who just, I don't take this the wrong way. It's almost a fetish thing which is it's, it's something of beauty that you like looking at and like the way it works. And there's a very high value in that. And I think, quite frankly, that's what Porsche 
does. It's the design and people just love the fact. But before I go off on one of the many different tangents we could go off on here, because this is fantastic. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to talk about? Well, there is, and this wasn't part of my two-minute vetting, but I'm really curious about the name. Oh, Pepper King, yeah. Pepper King, yeah. That's one of the reasons your book is out. I wanted to review your page of when you guys went through the list of names, because it's so interesting how Netflix and all these other terms are now the lexicon of our generation or this era of time. And how did it get to be that? Rereading it, it's almost as, it wasn't random, but it sort of was. Like it could have been other names and it almost was other names. But now we've learned and it's just such a perfect name now. We couldn't imagine a different title or a different logo or a different look than what we have with Netflix as the video store slayer. So I'm looking at Pepper King and I want a better name, but I haven't come up with it. One criticism of it is that it has a patriarchal (laughs) reference. That in an era of Me Too and Black Lives Matter, does the authoritarian figure of a single male, regardless of the race of that male, but I think historically most kings have been white. But a pepper grinder would be much more black. It is. And they're they're a matching set. So the salt and pepper are both black, actually, because it gives it a really refined look. One of the objections of from marketing the Pepper King is the resistance to that. Otherwise, it seems to me to be the best. Well, for me, it's the best name I've come up with so far, and I've really worked at it. It's a little awkward when there's the salt as well as the pepper. So I don't know, is it the Salt King also? I suppose. But when we're looking at the website name, the name of the company, what you're purchasing, it's going to be Pepper King is what you're purchasing. And that could be a set or you can buy it individually all online so far. I mean, not yet, but in vision. So the name is interesting. I'm wondering if you would have any thoughts on process or names yourself. And I'm not at a deadline for a name because nothing has been legally established, but the product name, I probably have nine months to define, but sooner than that for logo development and that sort of thing. The clock's ticking. So there's the Pepper King. There's also the angel and the devil. At what point do I decide that this is silly and I need to just stop. Stop what? The process. Say, this is not a good idea because that's still a possibility. I mean, 10% of this is in ink. The other 90% is still in pencil. And that introduced another point of what you experience with all the blind sides, these blind spots that we encounter as we go forward into the darkness because I haven't done this before. But I have this great faith that the idea will keep the path illuminated and we'll solve problems as we go. None of them are going to be so strong of a sidewind that we're going to be knocked off course. I have faith in that, but I have yet to encounter all those unknowns yet and those unforeseen. So is it what I've done and already? And that's just plant the flag that this is what we are and this is where we're going. So you've asked two questions and one of them is completely unimportant and one of them is extremely important. You might be able to guess which one's which, but uh, for everyone else listening out, I'll reveal that the one that doesn't make a bit of difference, I think, is the name. And the one that makes all the difference is, in this case, is, is this a good idea or not? For those regular listeners of 
of which, of course, there aren't any. But uh, for anyone who's hearing this, know that normally I am exactly the opposite. I'm the person who goes, no, who cares whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, et cetera. But you're doing something very different. You're doing hardware. And hardware is a completely different beast. And it's because hardware is very, very hard to change midstream. Software, services, all those other categories are very, very easy. And that's a reason why so many venture capitalists don't want to get near hardware with a 10-foot pole. It's always costs more. It always takes longer. You have to get it right from the beginning because you've put in place all these processes before you actually have a product. And then once you have the product and you don't like it or your customers don't like it, it's really hard to change it. So because of that, mm-hmm. you are asking the exact right question, which is, I'm still in the pencil stage and I'm getting into the pen stage. And pretty soon you're going to get into the plastic stage, which is when you got to begin pulling your credit card out two or three times a day. And that's where it really gets scary. But let me jump back to help you think about the name thing for a second and why I'm saying it's probably not important. And then we'll talk probably about the more substantive thing, which is, is it a good idea? In your vision, what do you think the most important factor about whether somebody wants this or not is going to be? whether they want it or not. Yeah, someone's going to make a buying decision. What are they going to base that buying decision on? What's important to them? The perceived quality that they are investing in as long-lasting. I would completely agree. This is absolutely something that is being bought on the quality of the product. They're not buying this because they think this is going to help them get girls. This is not something they're going to buy because this will make people think that they're more popular. In other words, this is not a branding problem. You could have been saying, no, no, Pepper is this unsexy product. I have these ideas to completely create this mythology around Pepper. We're going to get John Bon Jovi or whatever to come out with a Pepper brand. And we're going to do for Pepper what he did for tequila, whoever it was, Sammy Hagar, whatever it was. You know the analogy. That's a Mm -hmm. brand Mm -hmm. problem. And then if you were coming out with a brand proposition for this product, man, name is everything. As is packaging, as is color, as is positioning, all that stuff. This is not. People are going to see this and they're going to self-select and they're going to go, I'm the type of person who wants a $100 pepper grinder. My point is your name, sure, you don't want this to be, this is the QAnon grinder or this is the Antifa grinder or something which is immediately going to politicize it or polarize it, but you do not need to nail it. I think you should certainly be cautious about staying away from third rails. And I would tend to think you're right that maybe Pepper King might get in trouble, but listen, I'm too old to really have that sensitivity. I've got to ask my daughter what her reaction is to a product called Pepper King, because she's of the age where they're much more sensitive to those issues. I I have my biases, which I'm fighting every day to try and overcome, but some of them are so deeply seated, it's just really hard to get past that. So I'm the wrong person to register on that. But I wouldn't worry about it so much. I would worry about the other one. And I would, at this point, be doing everything I can to make sure I'm doing the right thing, which means that as you're moving from pencil to pen, you should be migrating your effort toward doing what you can to validate that you're on the right track. And let me just ask you a couple of questions because you may, in fact, be doing a great job. How many restaurants have you spoken to and how many of them have said they'll buy one from you? Zero. Zero to both or zero to- Zero to both, A thousand for the first and zero to the second. Okay. Correct. I have not invited that feedback yet. It has occurred to me and I have not. Is that out of a secrecy concern or just you haven't gotten to it yet? It was out of irrational bashfulness (laughs) initially. The notion that my idea wouldn't 
merit interrupting a chef to come out of the kitchen and have him talk to me, this guy, over my idea when there's no benefit for him or her. So that was the story that got in my way of doing that. Some other friends have actually talked to chefs. Not a lot has come out of those conversations other than, yes, they use pepper. We know that there's no pepper grinder in the world that creates fresh grounds quickly. Mine will compared to the existing because we have a turbo mode. So the motor automatically ramps up to provide something in a pepper grinder that doesn't currently exist. Restaurants will be attracted to that. Listen, I don't own a restaurant. I don't run a restaurant. I don't work in the front of the house or the back of the house. I have no idea who makes the buying decision for a restaurant. I have no idea whether this is going to be a product which sits in the pass, where they're doing last minute seasoning, whether it's back in the kitchen, whether it's on each table. I just don't have no idea those things, so I'm not a restaurateur. But I think your job is if you want to sell to any of those 600,000 restaurants, you better figure some of that stuff out now because you may find extremely informative information, including them all saying, $100, you must be kidding. These things get lost. They get broken. They get stolen. We tried. We had the $40 ones. We tried the Porsche ones. It's interesting information. Or you, they might go, this is awesome, but I don't like the, listen, if there was a way at the end of the night, I just, is there a way for you to do fast fill? And you go, oh, I hadn't thought about fast fill because I was envisioning this being a home product because, you know, at the end of the night, they have to go fill them all. How about fast charge? If I have 30 of them on one at each table, do I have to go and buy 30 chargers or is there one charger you're going to sell? I don't know. But this is all the shit that you'll find out as you begin colliding this idea with real people who might really use it. The home one's even easier. You've got to do a much bigger, my opinion, beta to find out, will people besides you and me buy this thing? And what aspects of it are good or bad? What are you going to have to overcome in your sales, your marketing? Your perception of how you're going to sell it could be entirely wrong. For example, you think I'm going to do it on a website with direct. Maybe that's great, but maybe there's other places you could do it. You could do partnerships, but all this stuff is stuff you could be starting to move yourself away from I have 100% heads down on design and product concept and begin, begin doing some serious market validation and market research. And I'm not saying you've got to do expensive or spend a lot of time on it. I'm just saying you really need to be creative about how can you get the idea in front of people. Here's something new, because I have never yet recommended this to someone. This will be the first time I've recommended it. This is the perfect product for a crowdfunding effort, because what you're interested in is in two things. Well, your big question and your answer as you're trying to figure out when do I stop or when do I go is... Is anybody going to care? The worst thing for you is you put all this effort into doing all the CAD CAM stuff, beginning manufacturing, you're beginning to build the dyes, you've worked out with the manufacturers, you have your packaging, your first 500 units come back, and then all you hear is crickets. So try selling something before it's done and try it several different ways. If you have questions, if people do it, ask them what aspect of this was most interesting to you? What weren't? I mean, you'll find out so much by getting some real people to vote with their credit card, whether they really love this thing or not. And if you hear crickets, then that's an interesting piece of data for you too. And then you'll have the real problem, which is, was it really a bad idea or did I just not reach the right people? But that's fine too. That's part of the process of doing something which hasn't been done before. But unfortunately, you know, you were saying this, I'm not sure the word you used, the humbleness or the don't want to go and interrupt a chef. You're going to have to. Right now, it's a little tough. But on the other hand, right now, it's not tough because the chefs are not overwhelmed. 
And maybe the person you talk to isn't the chef. Maybe it's the person who runs the front of the restaurant. And you don't go in there at one o'clock when they're in the middle of the lunch rush. You go in at 3.30 in the afternoon when they're all uh, having a little bit of downtime. You go and find a friend who already has a route. In other words, who already sells something to restaurants and ask if you can just come along with him or her for the day while they go and talk to people. For example, and I, I don't know where this is coming from out of my mind, but um, wine salespeople, they basically just go from restaurant to restaurant doing tastings for the owners of the restaurants. And they do it at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's not busy. And if you can find someone you can go along with and they'll introduce you and they go, Mike just wants five minutes here to chat about something he's working on. And you'll have them go, shoot you down in a second. And I'm talking about restaurants and I know you may not even care about restaurants, but conceptually, I'm just pushing you a little bit to start colliding your idea with some real customers sooner rather than later. You're pretty close to being able to show them something. Yeah, You can show them a beautiful drawing. You know what the feature set is. You know what the benefits are going to be. Now's the time to find out it is going to be an ego thing. It's wonderful right now because you're sure this is going to work. You're going, mm -hmm. ah, 35,000 is peanuts, but that's in your head. And I hope you're right, but please find out whether other people agree with you that this is the best thing since the fork or whatever the most recent innovation in dining was the butter bell or whatever, <laughs> whatever the first major new thing to go onto the table is. But you'll find out all kinds of interesting stuff and it will absolutely inform where you are right now. And I would never take the step of moving from design to production until I had done some customer validation. Another one, I mean, this is more the trade and I don't know even what's happening at trade shows now, but the research you'd get by buying a table at a food service trade show would be invaluable because you'd have thousands of people walking by your little pipe and drape table and giving you feedback on whether this is good or bad. You're lucky the buyer from one of those big companies comes up to you and uh, goes, this is really cool. I think I'd like to have this in all of our stores. Or even better, here's the one, go to the friggin' mall, go to the store, ask if the manager's there and say, do you think anyone would buy this? and see what he or she says. You're not going to take an order. You're just doing some really simple market research. And I have no idea what they'll say. And if you're lucky, they'll go, oh God, this is awesome. I get people all the time complaining about having to fill in the blank. And you're going to be lucky in a totally different way if everybody says, oh yeah, we've tried those $150 pepper grinders a couple of times in the past and they're great on the shelf, but no one buys them. And then you'll have learned something really valuable that way too. I'm hoping for the yeah. former, not the latter. But I'm just saying, you get the whole point here. Mm -hmm. Don't I worry do. about the name. The name okay. is not going to move the needle for you at this point. If you can get a great name, sure. But that's not going to be the difference But whether you sell a $100 pepper grinder or not. What's going to make a difference is whether you've accurately matched your product's features, its design, its price point with something that someone actually wants. And that's where you should be putting your time, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I'm right about there because you're right. The, so much of it is already established. I don't need to create the Pepper King conceptually very much more. There are refinements to it. Even today, I send an email off with a refinement. But in terms of the process and where we are, the pathway validation, I'm hearing loud and clear. Not exactly sure how to do it beyond my own kind of arm's reach. 
And if I get two restaurant managers or department managers at retail who give it a thumbs down, then I don't want that to be my traffic light for the project. I just want it to somehow contribute to what I'm doing. Yeah, a traffic light is absolutely the wrong way to think about it. There's no one who's that powerful who is either going to bless it or not bless it. It's going to be an eye-opener for you about what you might need. Listen, if both of them say this is ridiculous, I'm not saying stop. But you then better get four more people. You better start looking more aggressively for someone who goes, this is not ridiculous. You can certainly keep on going. You can go, a hundred people have told me no one's ever going to buy this, but I believe. And Mm -hmm. all power to you. Go for it. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get informed opinion and you're going to collect little bits and little bits of people's opinions. This is not someone anyone's going to steal the idea, I promise, which is the usual reason that people don't want to do market research like this. Find out now, because now is the time you can modify. Now is the time you can change. Now is the time you can learn that the thing that you thought was going to be the big selling point, in fact, is not the big selling point. That this other little weird feature is what everyone's totally resonating with. And that'll be valuable too. You know, it just sometimes requires putting yourself out there. One of the people I'm working with more closely, he has a, a startup which is doing an entirely new real estate product in Sacramento. And he goes to Sacramento and he would actually go to open houses and talk to people. He'd stop, he'd watch someone go into that open house, he'd watch him come out and he'd stop him on the sidewalk and he'd show them his product because he had found someone who was exactly the target customer and he was intercepting them right then and there and getting real feedback. It just was his way of, he had a judgment about what would work, but he recognized that he wasn't building it necessarily only for him. If you could sell one pepper grinder, you're job is done. <laughs> but Or two, actually, mm-hmm. his job is done. Probably three, because I'm sure you can get one of your best friends to buy one from you. But 35000 you've got to do a bit better than that. And so you should find out now how realistic that is. And I'm giving you the optimistic view. Well, there's still a chance to change it if it needs to get changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the pessimistic view, while there's still a chance to get out without losing the shirt. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, one of the original tenants of this project was to pretty much best we can recognize I want one version of this. And great. So that, Pick so the best that one it is. Then. Pick the best one. Yeah. All right. I'm going to wrap it up with one more question for you. Because I'm curious since you spend so much time thinking about pepper grinders. What's your opinion about restaurants where the waiter comes out with this basically two foot long chess piece and sticks it over your plate and goes, can I, it's become this pepper ritual. Wait, has this gotten out of hand? <laughs> I couldn't say that, but it cracks me up every time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me too. Cause they, they, they don't say pepper. They say fresh ground. <laughs> and so I, I ask, well, is yesterday's pepper available at a discount? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Does it have to be fresh? Cause I'm paying for fresh, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't care and I don't want to pay for fresh, but there it is. It's the fresh ground. Go back and bring me your best pepper. You can't say it. Fantastic. Well, Mike, I think this is really exciting. I love the idea. I love the fact that you're pursuing it. Thank you. I'm confident that when you do get out and get some external validation, you'll come back even more enthused. And so all I need from you in exchange, besides, of course, the links where I can buy my own pepper grinder once it's available, mm-hmm. is just to get back in touch with me in six months or so and let me know how it's going, how close you are, whether you modified, whether you're still on path to launch and uh, okay, kind of what you learned. All right. I will follow up. I'll put note on the calendar for that. And in the meantime- Thank you, Mark. Good luck and be spicy. I really appreciate this. I have a lot of notes to attend to. Appreciate it. We got it. Okay. Thank you, Mark.
Good night. I love Mike. He's got that blend of quirkiness and curiosity and such an asset for a new entrepreneur. But now he has to put his planning on hold for a bit and take that critical step of getting out in the world to see if there actually is a market for Pepper King. Whether that's by tracking down chefs between meal shifts or setting up a crowdsourcing campaign, the ball is in his court. But something tells me he'll come out on the other side of this pretty happy. I look forward to finding out. Well, that's all for today. And thanks to Mike for entrusting his business to me for a little while. I look forward to hearing back from him in a few months to see if my advice helped. In the meantime, if you want to be a guest on That Will Never Work, I've made it really easy. Just go to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. Fill out the form and leave a voice message right there on the site. While you're there, sign up to get my weekly entrepreneurial advice delivered right to your inbox. Or connect with me on Twitter at mbrandolph or on Instagram at thatwillneverwork. Or my newest attempt at denying my age on TikTok, where I promise you won't ever find me dancing without a shirt on. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to smash that like button and leave me a review at Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time. Audiation.